gather around the lamp and Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Gathering the Lamp podcast by Under a Gaslit Lamp. We've decided to get together to talk through some of the happenings in the footballing world whilst domestic football has been paused for the international break. And of course, there's been some Aston Villa talking points to discuss, with some words about how England fared against Belgium and Wales, and a little transfer talk as the domestic window in England slams shut this coming Friday. As always, I'm Regan, you can find me on Twitter at FindFoy, and I'm joined, as always, by Mark and Andy. Hey, what's going on everybody? Mark Jerobi here. You can find me on Twitter at VillaMarkPGH. A little bit of an uncommon one as we don't usually record during the international breaks, but I'm happy as hell to be here with the guys. Andy, how are we doing today, my friend? Very well, thanks guys. Uh, thanks for having me on again. It's my, my fifth one, I believe. So, um, really pleased to be back. Um... As ever, my, my Twitter handle is at K2 underscore Villa. Um, feel free to tweet me any comments about how, how you think I'm doing. Um, but let's get into it, guys. Absolutely. Before we uh, kind of get into all the, the, the Aston Villa stuff um, in terms of modern day, it is Black History Month in England and Aston Villa rolled out a beautiful video package across social media over the past week highlighting the multitude of black players who've pulled on the famous Claret and Blue. When you really sit down and think about it, black and mixed ethnicity players have been a massive part of Aston Villa for a very long time. We call a black Irishman God. We fondly remember Darlian under an umbrella. Benteke's red hot form. Ashley Young's late heroics against Everton. We'd be here until tomorrow if we went through each player that has graced Villa Park. But, you know, saying that, that'll never diminish the love and respect we have for each and every footballer that is tied to Aston Villa. You know, did, did you guys watch the Villa the video that Villa released? And, you know, did it give you a measure of pride about uh, BAME players at Villa? Yeah, for me, I absolutely loved it, man. It highlighted a lot of players for me in, in my relatively short time. You know, it's over 10 years, but it's still considered a relatively short time to follow Aston Villa and love the club with my entire heart. But it, it really warmed my heart to see the, the video put together, the collection of players, uh, and not even just, just the players, the moments they were a part of. I think that's a very important part of sports. No matter where you watch them in the world, you're always going to remember these moments. And for Aston Villa and some of the black players that, that have graced Villa Park, I, I couldn't be more proud proud about it um it, it's just it's just one of those things where I, I was i was actually thinking about it this morning before we recorded um i have more black jerseys of aston villa players than any than any other race and like i, I wear them without even thinking about it i'll pull on a gabby a Bonlahor shirt without thinking about it i'll pull my christian benteke shirt on i have a, a kaja shirt that i wear pretty often i mean it, it, the list goes on and on and on and again I'm, I'm a little young in terms of you know some of the players in the video package I, I obviously didn't get a chance to watch but i do know about them and have done my due diligence of research but uh andy what about you did you check out that video yeah, absolutely, and like you say, it's it's always um, it's part of part of Aston Villa now, isn't it? And and I certainly think um, the way the club generally 
goes about these things is is always um, with it with that touch of class, really. I, I I suppose from my point of view, I, it's about how we move things forward in the future as well. And obviously, you know, we can talk about as you say, Regan. We can talk about Villa's um, history of, of of black and ethnic players um, t- till till the middle of next week, and just just in awe of it, really. But it's about how we move things forward and how we, how change happens within the game, not just on the field, but 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 off the field. You know, from a from a, a coaching and training and management perspective, but also higher up in the you know executive um, boardroom positions as well. You know, and and really kind of opening up those pathways to ensure that that the the club is properly represented. You know, in in the future, um, so it's a club. It is genuinely a club for everyone. Um, Birmingham is a is a hugely, um, uh, you know, mixed population, which is for me the greatest thing about it. Um, and I want Aston Villa to 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 be representative of that um, in all in all ways. So that's my kind of view on it, really. And um, you know. I was I was encouraged by what per, Perslow said uh, sort of earlier in the year. Did an interview and sort of touched on this and little ways that they they are going to try and make make changes in that respect. So um, let's hope that that comes to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. And you know the club is is often at the forefront of of, of things like this. So it is good to hear you know Perslow's comments like that. Um, and you know we've talked about the rich history of uh, black and minority ethnic players at Aston Villa, but the history goes further further back than any of us will be able to remember. Um, and that's with Willie Clark, who was Aston Villa's first black player. He uh, he made his debut on Christmas Day in 1901 in a 3-2 victory over Everton at Villa Park, a few months after joining from Bristol Rovers. He didn't really make an imp- like an incredible impact at the club, but you know he he made five he scored five goals, made forty two appearances um, over I think it was four or five years, and then signed for Bradford City and played over a hundred games for the Yorkshire club. But you know our, our rich kind of history with black players has, has started over a century ago and I think that's outstanding you know um, and the club are doing all they can to highlight that they've they, they've posted an article about it tonight actually um, so you know I think you know it's great to have such a rich rich history and it's important about uh, to, to make the future all the more richer I suppose yeah I, I completely agree with you and like just like Andy was talking about as far as like the backroom staff or in the boardroom um, I, it might be I I try to lightly draw the comparisons between like me growing up with the National Football League opposed to now, you know, growing into this massive, massive fan of English football and and the England way of of how football works and the pyramids and all that kind of stuff. But for me, like I've looked up to to people of color my entire life now, regardless of of sport, just in general, I've looked up to people of color my entire life. uh, Just from where I live, it's it's a very, just like how Birmingham is, I I live in a a small city outside of a a major city, basically, that's so mixed and you know you can in one 
part of the neighborhood. It's it's this kind of culture. And then you can only take a 15 minute walk down the street and you're, you're thrown into a completely different culture. So for me, I think it's a little bit of a unique experience that, that you know, America is a melting pot and I, I can appreciate and get along with everybody from, from these different kind of traditions and cultures. But like, I would like to see more black coaches in the Premier League. Um, again, like I've grown up with a multitude of, of positive black coaches throughout many different sports, not only just watching them, but also like it, for, for me personally, like I've, I played sports when I was younger and, you know, I had a, a few people of color in my life that have really helped me and really kicked on. And I, I, st- I still see them, you know, in, in my town, in my city. And I'll say, hey, you know, thanks for everything. And, you know, that you can tell they, they get a little they might get a little shy about it. Like, Oh, I was just doing my job, man. I was just there to do something. But you know, that ultimately left a really big impact on my life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move on to the man of the hour, the man, the myth, the legend, Jack Grealish, who definitely impressed against Wales just a few days ago from when we're recording this podcast. Not only did he have himself a very positive game, picking up an assist for Dominic Calvert-Lewin's goal, but he also turned the heads of more than a few folks away from the Villa sphere um, and, and really all over the globe that were watching the England game. On the flip side, there was you know, some criticisms that Grealish played against a Wales B team in a friendly match. But, you know, I still think he is ready to represent England, even though a lot of fans possibly don't. I have seen a lot of fans from, from other clubs come in and praising Grealish, especially Wolves fans. You know, Wolves fans have come out and said, you know, uh, Cody and and Grealish should be some of the, the first names on, on that team sheet. Um, what what did you guys make of Grealish's performance against Wales? You know, he was the only... He, w- he wasn't the only villain to make an appearance in the game. Tyrone Mings come on as a substitute and, and provided an assist of his own, but you know, he, he, Grealish won the the Player of the Match award. What what was your opinion on his performance? Uh, for me, I thought it was a wonderful performance. I think it highlighted exactly what England need in that team, which is a bit of creativity. Um, again, I, I really genuinely do not like talking about how international games played in terms of England because I, I think that it's it's a lot different for me being an American and I've got my own American, you know, football team that I've got to worry about. And I'll be honest, cry over most of the time. But when it comes to England, I, I do think that the Grealish is, is starting to show what kind of talent he is on the international uh, level. Granted, it's very, very early in his international career, but I think a game against Wales like this really showcased what he can do. He can carry the ball with his feet. He can win free kicks. He's not afraid to be a contributor. He's not going to be greedy and just pop a shot anytime that he gets any kind of space out there to do so. I think it's only positive things. I love the fact that Grealish and Mings found the pitch in this game because um, I I don't know, man, like this is going to come off as incredibly biased, but I think Tyra Minks is better than a couple of the center backs that are in the England camp right now. Um, but again, that's probably being biased and, and wearing the, the Villa cap a little too, too tight around my head. But uh, Andy, what did you think about Grealish's performance against Wales? Do you think he did just enough to maybe give Mr. Southgate a thing or two to think about? I think Southgate's He's been. He has been on Southgate's radar. Whatever. Whatever people say. I think. You know. Probably ever since even before Villa were promoted. Um, I think Southgate's obviously been aware of him. I think there's a there's obviously a, a feeling that f- for whatever reason Southgate perhaps has something against Grealish. I don't necessarily buy that. I think. I think it's about it's about bringing him in steadily at the right time and and maybe not putting too much too much pressure on him really there's a, there's a lot of players that England have in those forward positions that, that that Grealish plays in and 
it's 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 not a, it's not an easy thing just to just to discard other players that have done done a, a good job for England just 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 to bring bring Grealish in so um but I think he, he did okay I think he obviously got man of the match it was it was a very competent and and um you know it showcased, like we said, what what he can do. I thought he was a bit a bit slow to get into the game, but once he was in, he, everything went through him. And obviously, he got the he got the assist, which was which was which was great. I mean, I, I obviously I I still think he's got a couple of gears to go into at international level. And I think if you put him in a England side against a, a better team, I I think you would you'd really see him flourish because it feels a little bit like the. the, the the more um, the the quality, the higher quality the opposition, the the better he gets a lot of the time, and I think it's a no brainer. I think he's going to be in that Euros team starting eleven by the time it comes around next June, and you know. But you know, I'm not overly, I'm not disappointed that he didn't play on Sunday because I want him to be fresh for Leicester on. Next Sunday, so I'm quite ha- quite happy with that, really. And they won the game. England won the game, which was which was good. And you know, maybe give him thirty minutes on Thursday and send him back fresh and ready to go for Sunday. Well, yeah, you, you mentioned that the level of opponent, um, and and a lot of fans were, were quite disappointed when he wasn't named in the starting eleven against Belgium because they are the top seeded team of the, the international footballing world at the moment. You know, to see Grealish come up against. You know Axel Witzel, Romelu Lukaku, and obviously players that he's played against in the Premier League in, in Yuri Tielemans and Kevin De Bruyne. You know it would have been exceptional for not only Villa fans but for for Jack to kind of you know go up another gear, as you mentioned. It, it's 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 one of those things, isn't it? Um, England went on to to win the game two one with Mason Mount's deflected shot finding the back of the net for the three Lions, uh, and that obviously was the the winning goal. Um, Grealish and Mings found themselves on the bench for the entirety of the ninety minutes. What did you make of the game? You know, it, it, there were there were some criticisms aimed towards Southgate for his his, his ignorance of of Grealish and Mings. Um, but you know the result was there, um, and you know for, for me, you know I wrote a piece about this. And Grealish and Mings are the two of the most informed players in the country at the moment. You know Mings is part of a defence that has conceded two goals uh, in in the entire um, in in the entire season so far, whereas the rest of the the, the defence or available selection for the defence has conceded over thirty collectively. Um, and you know, for, for me, Mings fits perfectly into any partnership, whether it's a back three or back two for England, because he's a natural left-sided centre back, and I believe he's the only natural one in the entire squad. Um, you know, the, the, there's been such a prominence and concentration for a lot of the elite sides to have a left-sided centre back, especially Manchester City. You know, they they have Laporte. And they've, uh, I think they've recently signed Ake to cover for Laporte. There, there is a very significant lack of left-sided centre-backs that are natural, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of elite teams interested in Mings should we continue the the, the vein of form that we've been in this season. Um, 
but you know for for me i wanted to see both of them tested against the top team internationally and the fact that even though they are the most informed players within the squad so to say it's it's quite disappointing that neither of them even graced the pitch yeah, yeah i, I was... mean go ahead andy go ahead, buddy so so I was sorry I was going to I was going to say about the the performance first of all I thought um it was just a, it was quite a workmanlike performance I mean in the first 20 minutes they looked like they were going to get torn to shreds um if if we're being honest um they were Belgium were cutting through England at every opportunity um I think when it comes to um Grealish and and Mings I think an advantage that I have Perhaps is that I, I, I support, I support Villa, and I support England, and they're separate entities for me. So I don't my 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 followership of England doesn't depend on, you know, how many Villa players are in in the team. I watch England anyway, and I've I always have. So I can kind of look at England from a, the point of view of, um, you know, just being a fan of England and stepping outside the the, the Villa sphere, if you like, and. And whilst I do think Jack Grealish should absolutely be in the team, and, and, and Mings has a has a great shout as well. It, it, like I say, it's hard to just discard, um, you know, seasoned seasoned internationals that have, have been doing a good job, and and some of them who have who have been to a World Cup semi final with England. So, you know, we have to we have to be respect respectful of that now. That's not to say that, that, that Grealish and, and Mings won't force their way into the side, but I think we just have to allow it to happen sort of organically. Um, and there will come a point where Southgate can no longer, particularly in Grealish's case, I think, will, will no longer be able to um, to ignore him. And I think I think, but what, once Grealish nails down a, a, a place in that team, the team will operate so much better with him that it'll be impossible to leave him out. What do you reckon, Mark? Do you think either of them should be in the side? Or uh, yeah, uh, uh, I don't know, man. Like for me, I I think that patience is 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 wearing thin all over the world for the time that we live in. So I think a lot of Villa fans want like Jack and Tyrone to be in there and like just force their way and just barge in. But like you said, man, there's a lot of talent in that England setup, even from a distance, even me just, just watching the games here and there when I can. Now, like you said, you support Villa and you support England separately. Um, you know, I just, on an international stage, I can watch England and appreciate them and know who's in the squad all day long, but it's, it's not a, a thing that I can watch with any sort of like massive, massive emotion. Obviously when Grealish and Mings and maybe other Villa players in the future will be in the team, I'll watch them and wish them well and want them to perform on the international stage but I do think that there has to be an air of patience and just being just a, a little bit more considered um, Gareth Southgate does not have an easy job like I said there is a lot of players in that team to where he can pick and yeah we all want you know Jack to, to play every single game and we want him to have a very established and respectable international career but I think it's a really tough job to pick everybody I mean I, you, you can't put more than 11 on the pitch at one time like that, those are just the rules we know that them's are the rules so I just I I don't know it's a tough job I'm glad that I'm not in it I do think that eventually we will see Grealish be a mainstay in that starting 11 
eventually I think he'll, he'll just be one of them players because in, in the Belgian game to me like you said through the first 20 minutes it just looked like they lacked any kind of creativity they couldn't get the ball to their feet Belgium was trying to expose the right hand side of the pitch that would have been Jack's side of the pitch maybe with a little bit more uh, consistency of the ball at Grealish's feet might have been able to slow that down a little bit in the opening stages of the game but again you know everyone wants to criticize Southgate but they, they still got to win at the end of the day I think you know f- f- for me there's you mentioned patience, and I think obviously in the current climate, it's something that a lot of people don't have anymore. You know, a lot of people's patience has been been wearing thin. But in terms of international football, personally, and I know a lot of other people almost fell out of love with England over you know half a decade period, or if not longer. Um, and that that World Cup run to the semi finals almost reignited a lot of love. For, for England's international setup. Um, since then, I think that love's died down, despite the fact that they, I, think, I believe they finished third in the Nations League or the last Nations League. Um, but I think, you know, that it's perhaps for Villa fans the want to fall back in love with their national side and, and, and be able to do that via having two of their clubs biggest and and best players within the international setup yeah i i think that has a lot to do with it i I think people these days like you said and and i said just just on a patience standpoint and i know i know we we all know we watch we've watched jack Grealish for so long we know what he's capable of doing and i'm sure that gareth southgate we've seen him in the stands he's watched jack Grealish and knows what he's doing but it's it's that whole thing of um like like you said, people might have just started falling back in love with England. You know that that's a whole whole different story for a, another day. But I'm glad that people are coming back around. I think that everybody should support their national team, no, no matter where you are in the world. I, I think that international football is a really really great thing. I, I do enjoy watching it. Um, it it's just it's it's going to take time. It's not built overnight, and it's just something you just have a, a little bit more patience about. But like I said, I do think we see Jackie Grealish as a, as a nailed on uh, entity of that England squad a lot sooner than people think. I hope so. Away from England talk, Douglas Louise made his first start for the Brazil first team. Um, and, you know, he he's, he's become loved and adored by Villa supporters since Project Lockdown, uh, Project Lockdown, Project Restart rather. Um, and he played in the midfield along with global superstars such as Neymar, Casemiro, Roberto Firmino, and Philip Coutinho. He didn't look at a place at all, and and his his first full kind of debut was was exceptional. Ninety five percent passing accuracy with an outstanding eighty eight completed passes. Um, you know, it's 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 one of those worries for um, Villa fans is whether he'll be an Aston Villa player after the current season. You know, he's still got a mistake in him. He's still. It's still very raw, but that the, the raw kind of untapped potential is, is is shining through, especially in the latter parts of this year. Um, obviously, Man City have the the buyback option on him, and and it's one of those things. You know, we saw them do it for Angelino, um, who they've subsequently now sold to to Leipzig. But um, I hope we can see him grow and flourish as an Aston Villa player for for years ahead. But I I just it is something that does worry me quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to get real nervous about it. Andy, I'll, I'll let you go in one second. I just want to say that I think that this Villa team gets 
or, or will continue to get a lot better with a player like Douglas Luiz at that position. But if you look at this Brazil game, Regan, I'm not. I know we talked about it. Um, did you actually stay up and watch this game? Yeah, he played as like a number eight, didn't he? Yeah, and if you look at the heat map, man, it's really, really similar to how Jack Grealish played. And I'm not saying like the drawn fouls or anything like that. Like just on a heat map standpoint, he was on that left kind of pushed ahead number eight role, and he looked really, really good. And he was granted he was playing with world class talent. It is a Brazil team, but like it, I don't think that he needs to be landlocked to a CDM role. I think that he can play pretty much anywhere in that midfield. And he looked really, really good with like Casemiro. He was linking up play well with Bobby Firmino and things like that. Go ahead, Andy. Sorry, buddy. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, not at all. I th- I, 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 I didn't see the game. Um, I, I think we saw a, a couple of games last season. He played more of a number eight role, didn't he? Um, sort of pushed on a bit when Nakamba played um, with him. Um, and th- he's, he seems to have everything to play to play in any of those positions in the midfield, really, doesn't he? He's, you know, he can carry the ball. He's obviously skillful. He's he's, he's obviously very very good um, passing accuracy wise, and he's added. I think probably just since after after lockdown, he's added that little bit of um, spike to his game as well. That little bit of, you know, he's putting his foot in and he's he's, he's pl- he can play like a genuine number six, which is probably a criticism initially we had of him was he's perhaps a little bit flimsy to play number six but certainly not anymore he's he's he's, he's got everything and it's he, he can operate in that kind of it's almost like that pivot role in midfield as well so when Villa have got the ball he's just there sort of sort of got guiding it all along really um, but I'd love to know what the actual um, contract details are in terms of his this buyback clause with Man City um, and how long it lasts and what is actually the the, the, the buyback clause. I know it's, I think they said it was twenty five million this summer, but I, I I'm sure I I'd read before when he actually signed that it would it would go up sort of year on year. So you know it, it might be that. You know, if it goes up enough, it might just be enough to put put Man City off. But it, obviously, it depends how he looks. And at the moment, he just looks like an absolute uh, world beater in that in that position for us. Um, I really hope he stays. I really hope he's here next season when we can go back and watch him. Yeah, I think a lot of fans are, are thinking the same thing as you, Andy. Um, Marvellous Nakamba, John McGinn and Conor Hurahane also featured for their countries respectively during the international break. I believe as we're recording this, there's still uh, another game for all of those players. Um, I'm not sure about Doggy, but there definitely is for Jack and Tyrone and Marvellous and the other British players. Um, now, whilst the international transfer window was open, Aston Villa defender Frederick Gilbert was rumoured to be leaving B6, but a move away never materialised. This week we've heard and saw reports that, that Gilbert uh, had a potential loan move fall through uh, to FC Nantes. Um, you know, everything was in place, but the the, the, the Nantes pres- presidency just didn't, didn't kind of follow through with the deal and, and the deal collapsed um, you know and he's, he, he's discussed how he's been told he's the third choice right back behind new boy Matty Cash and, and Ahmed El-Mohamedi you know, this, seems, this seems like a little bit of a slippery slope 
for Gilbert. You know, it's obvious that the Frenchman was brought in to be a right back in the championship, but, you know, Villa found themselves promoted before he arrived. Now you've got the new expensive signing of cash and, and Gilbert could just generally be out of favour with Dean Smith in one way or another. You know, it could be coach's preference, it could be a deeper issue, but Gilbert's turned around and said he he's willing to, to stay and fight for his place. El Mohamed is out of contract um, at the end of the season. So, you know, he said he'll try and fight, but if it doesn't work it won't it like you know, it won't work. Um and and he will leave if he if he's made to or if he has to. Do you think he's right to want and stay for and to stay and fight for his place, Mark, or or do you think he'll be moved on perhaps in January or next summer? I mean, I don't think it's out of character for a person like Freddie Gilbert to, to want to stay and fight for his place. He seems like he's a little bit of a fiery guy. Um, I, and sometimes when you have these fiery guys in a room as, as a part of a, of a sporting uh, collective, some, sometimes people really respond to that, and some people just don't like it. Um, some people think it's just being, you know, fiery just for for being that you know the sake of being fiery but i like that he wants to fight for his place i don't think that he'll be at villa pass this year it's just my personal opinion i think with bringing in maddie cash and then el mohammedy obviously um you know we've heard talk about elmo maybe wanting to move into a coaching role i think he's actually doing things for his badges while he's at aston villa and has been for about the past year or so so i wouldn't be surprised to see el mohammedy leave but i mean if gilbert's gonna fight maddie cash for his place he's gonna have a hell of a fight on his hands because i think maddie cash has looked fabulous since coming to villa again it is early season it's only a couple matches form you know ebbs and flows as it always does but i, I do think maddie cash is a hell of a signing for villa and i think that that is the right back moving forward now it's not to say if if gilbert is not comfortable with being the number two right back or if you know he tries to fight for it and doesn't doesn't get it um you know i, I could see him being moved on but you know eventually like we were just talking about the douglas louise thing and not knowing if he's going to be here or not it's going to get to a point in time where aston villa do not have to bring in three or four players every season and i think it's important for these players to gel um, it goes back to the whole sports psychology of actually building a team and what team actually means. So I think keeping Gilbert around as a backup right back, as long as he's comfortable with that role, I wouldn't be upset about it, especially with Elmo probably leaving Villa this coming summer as well. I don't know, Andy, uh, me, me and you've talked about Gilbert before. You know, Would you be upset to see him leave or do you think that it's admirable that uh, he wants to stick around or how are you feeling about it? Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it, really? I think, I think for us to be kind of having so many discussions about essentially that the the third choice right back is really interesting I mean I think he, he is a player who who does divide opinion uh, amongst the fan base I think he's he's obviously a popular player I can I can understand why he's popular because he's he's a very committed player um and a lot of his 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 sort of social media stuff is about him you know, wanting to fight for his place and work for his place, and and that's very admirable. I'm personally just not convinced he's he, he's he's good enough. And and if Matt Cash got got injured and we we had to rely on Gilbert, I think we'd be struggling down that side. I, I, when you see the difference between how Matt Cash operates at right back, and 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 if we think back to to Freddie Gilbert, you know, I I think I think it's there's a, there's a there's a huge gulf there. Um, now players can improve and get better, and and I'd love him to get better, and I'd love him to 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 stay and and become a better player at Villa. I just don't think he's he's going to. And I know Regan, you you um, translated the, the the podcast he did 
um, for a French uh, podcast. And I'm sure he said something about the club have been dishonest with him. Um, Whether that was the right translation or or it got lost a little bit, I don't know. But I I don't think there's Dean Smith or, or people at Villa would be happy about someone you know, accusing them of being dishonest. I think they're one of the things about Dean Smith in particular is very honest. And, um, you know, it, it felt like a kind of let me go type of interview, if you know what I mean. It's kind of, you know, I'm going to force my way out here. So whether he'll get a loan move or something in this country before, before Friday, I'm not sure, but, um, I don't know. It's 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 a tricky one. I just think he's so far away from from being in the first team at the moment. Um, it'd be better for his career to go and play somewhere. Um, that's that's my view. Anyway, yeah, I think you know it is a tricky one, like you said, um, in terms of of what he said in that interview. And I think it's certainly one to watch. Uh, you know, it could all unravel in 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 months to come. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Friday's the, the the domestic windows closing. So the only place that Gilbert could likely leave on loan is to the Championship. Um, now he was spotted on Instagram um, both in London and in uh, Bournemouth. So those could be two potential moves. But you know he's also been spotted on Instagram returning back to the Midlands after both those trips. So could just be off for a little a weekend away with with the missus and his daughter. Um, moving on to more general football news, the Premier League rolled out a pay per view initiative for football supporters in England to watch their club play on television. This has been a controversial talking point across the country, and it's not really been welcomed with open arms. You know, we've got a unique opportunity to to get Mark's opinion on this, as he'll be able to watch games without having to buy into the the pay per view scheme. Um, but you know, w- w- do you think this will ultimate, ultimately backfire in the faces of the Premier League, or do you think people will pay the money through gritted teeth? I think people are going to pay money through gritted teeth, and they're going to be upset about it. I think they have all right to be upset about it. I think it's a little scandalous. I understand what they're doing here. I understand that, you know, charging $15 per household for a game um, probably seems like a good idea. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if the one of the big talking points to rolling this initiative out was, what is the absolute maximum that we can charge without people being shied away like they're going to be angry but they're ultimately going to pay it and i think that's exactly what 15 pound is is doing um you know they're, they're losing out money with not having fans in stadiums you're talking about merchandising money you know going down and down you're talking about even concessions for the clubs going down and down in terms of what you can bring in um so i i don't like this this just smells off to me um again like it, it like you said it might be a little bit of a unique perspective because if any of the sporting um sporting places tried to do things like this like if you had the nfl honestly try to tell people you have to pay 15 dollars to watch your your teams online because there's no fans in the stadiums i honestly think there would be a riot outside of the nfl headquarters um 
it, it, it's not, I, I, I honestly do believe that it's not even me being dramatic about it. You just, you don't do those kind of things. But again, we have so many different rights and how, how the contracts work with those rights to show sports that it's definitely different than how England does it. But I, I think it's, it's just too much. And like, why aren't we giving, why aren't we giving thought to the fact of using a subscription service? Like how, like a Netflix is like, if you would charge people 30 pound a month to watch every single premier league game, multiple multiple times they want to watch villa and and liverpool 17 times in a month they'd be able to do that you're telling me with the amount of money the premier league has and the amount of money that the premier league you know actually drums up even in the current state of the world that they couldn't roll out a streaming service like that it just makes it makes no sense to me well I know there was discussion about that for for Asian countries. Um, I think it was being pushed in a country like along the lines of Singapore. I think um, you know it would equate to about twelve ninety nine a month, um, and, and you know it was kind of received with open arms. I don't know whether they're progressing with that. I don't know whether it's been put on the back burner, but you know it seems like that the likely way that this is heading is, is Amazon are gonna um, Amazon are gonna probably pay above odds to, to take any rights off bt initially and then eventually maybe sky uh unless sky can offer their own you know subscription package uh or the premier league can offer their own subscription package alongside amazon i don't know but obviously we've seen some of the games available via you know amazon prime uh video and i think you know that's the way that things are, are definitely headed in the future yeah I, th- I have to say i think um it's just about the timing with this. Um, I think had they done this before COVID and before any of this this situation, I think it might have even been welcomed. The idea that people, you know, in in the UK who can't get to games or, or get to the chance to watch their team every week could actually pay and and do that. You know, when the, if their team isn't on on Sky or BT. Um, you know itself. I think it, it it could have been a good idea. It should have. It perhaps should have been brought in before um, in this in this way. But to do it at a time where people are people are struggling, people are losing their jobs, um, and there isn't the actual choice to go to the the ground anyway. It just feels a bit snidey, really, and a bit. Um, you know, I could. I, I feel. I mean, at the time when it first broke, I thought, well, that's that's something at least we can watch watch the games. But then I thought it's just a, it's just an awful time to do it, and it makes fans feel that they're not important, they're not being looked after. It's just about them paying their paying their subscriptions and their fees, and 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 and, and that's it really. And I, 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 it's disappointing as much as anything. Um, I think I, I'd have preferred it if they'd have said, "Look, we're going to do this how we've been doing it up till Christmas. We're going to show all the games as we've been doing up until this point, and then after that, this is when this pay per view is going to come in, and it just gives people a bit of time to prepare for it and 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 to say, well, that's that's fair enough.' And then you can you can give it a rationale as well, whereas it's just it's just kind of been sprung on people a week before. Um, and I, th- I think it's very unfair and and just not very nice and a bit a bit a bit snidey, like I say. So you know, I'm 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 obviously against it. I just want to get back into the into the ground though as quickly as I can, and you know, hopefully at some point early next year, maybe that'll be possible. 
I think that something that the Premier League has, has struggled with for quite some time is illegal streams. And I think this is just pushing people to finding those illegal streams more and more. Um, and I think, you know, until there is a, a, a very obvious, affordable kind of way to to get your footballing fix, um, then it's 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 going to make it so people are, are basically not paying to watch their, their, their sport. Um Moving away from that kind of pay-per-view thing, I don't want to get too kind of stuck on it because I think, you know, the vast majority of people, um, like you said, Andy, would would have agreed if it was announced, you know, seven, eight, nine months ago. But in the current climate, it is a poor move and the, the, the way they've announced it and the timing is, is very poor as well. But, um, yeah, moving away from that, uh, I just want to return back to the the domestic window closing as... as it's been very quiet since the the international window closed, um, and there's been one link that that just hasn't died down all summer, and that's another former player of Dean Smith at Brentford, um, and that's side Ben Rama. You know he he's he's the ever present man on the lips of Villa supporters, and it's been reported that he denied a transfer to West Ham today, and he obviously that's taken Villa social media by storm. Um, you know, Villa have solidified their squad this this summer, and a lot of pundits have said that they've had a very underrated transfer window going into this season, where they still remain unbeaten. Do you think Ben Rama could be the, the the cherry on the Sunday, the cherry on the cake, um, or do you think he lands elsewhere? Obviously, Orion Nealand uh, departed, um, literally as you guys were report uh, recording last last week's podcast um so you know the space for a player to be registered but you know do you see it happening or 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 do you think that it's a case of you know another another winger needs to leave we 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 have quite a bit of depth and just signed the winger in Truore. it it is a bit of a confusing one and for me personally i don't see it happening what what are your thoughts andy yeah i think it's a long shot i think just it obviously with the, the the uh, West Ham move seemingly breaking down this afternoon. Um, obviously, it's going to put it in people's minds again. Maybe, maybe he's 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 coming to Villa Park. Um, I can't say that I'd be disappointed. He's he's a player that I've 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 wanted at Villa for probably you know eighteen months or so. Um, it's one of those where you think oh, maybe he's just not for us, and obviously. You know, in his position, he's 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 kind of he'd be fighting for his his shirt with uh, with Jack Grealish, wouldn't he? So it's it's a tricky one, really. Um, having said that, he's a very very talented player. I think he's got he's still got a bit of a bit of growth in him in terms of playing at a higher level. He's certainly not a, a nailed on success by any stretch. A bit like uh, Rashica wouldn't have been if we'd have. Managed to get get hold of him. Um, I don't know where I am with this one. I think if he signed by Friday, I'd be happy. Uh, if he doesn't, I won't mind. And and that's that's about as much as I can say. What 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 are you saying, Mark? Do you think this has got any any legs in it, or do you think we're putting two 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 and two together here? 
I think it might be the case of putting two and two together. Look, say Ben Rahm is a, a really good footballer. He's not an amazing footballer. He's not a you know substandard footballer. I do think he's good, and I do think he'd bring a lot to Villa. But I think right now it's just one of those things that I, I know that he's had a, a rough start to this season, and he had, he had a, a, a bit of a rough time during Project Restart. But I do think that Anwar El Ghazi is going to stay at Villa this season. I don't think he gets loaned out to a championship club. I just, with, with how Anwar is and his agent and us knowing about his agent, I don't think that he's going to go anywhere i think if he were if anwar was to depart it was going to be during the international window um so i i would like to i'd, I'd love to have ben rum i wouldn't kick him out of my squad but at the same point in time i think it's just an easy link i think it's one of those former dean smith players and people see the, the stats on ben rama from the championship last season and may have watched some of his good games but with the good games you got to watch the bad ones too and there are times where it seems like his work rate just really isn't up to snuff and if it's not up to stuff in the championship i'd be very curious to how it is in the premier league um, I, I'm not sure. I, I, my heart tells me the Villa's completely done with their business and they're not looking at bringing anybody else in. But again, I think it was just one of those things. Ben Rama is seen as a talent by Villa supporters being linked with West Ham. And now we're getting the news that, that that's not going to pan out. I think it would be, it would have been a wonderful signing for West Ham. I think they would have got a lot of use out of a player like Ben Rama with how they're doing right now. But I just, I don't know. I don't see him coming to Villa. I think Ben Rama is, is very much a luxury player. And I think we've we've met our quota of luxury players for this summer. You know, I would consider I would consider Watkins a luxury player, and I would consider Barkley a luxury player. You know, if Barkley finds himself playing the way he did against Liverpool, and 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 kind of deciding at the end of the season that you know he wants to stay at the club, and Villa want him to stay at the club. Um, I think you know we can't afford to bring in another luxury player because he, to me it seems like he's the kind of player that would kick up a fuss if he's not playing, um, and I, I don't, I don't think we necessarily need him. Maybe you know if he doesn't move, return and look in January if we can get more players off the books. But as I said, you know we've had our luxury player mainly in Barkley and also possibly in Watkins. So I don't think we do need Ben Rama as it stands. Um, before we record next week's podcast. Villa will be back in Premier League action against Leicester City. You know, fresh off the 7-2 dismantling of Liverpool. What are you looking for from Villa in this match? Do you think they'll they'll take the game to Leicester the same way they did Liverpool? Um, do you think, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see on almost another tactical dismantling? Um, Leicester have only lost one of their opening four Premier League games going into this one. But their last game was a 3-0 defeat to West Ham. But... They also had a shock result and defeated Man City 5-2 in in what is a relatively young season so far. Mark, do you think Villa could make it four wins from four on Sunday? I think they can, but this is going to be a lot different than Liverpool, only based on the fact of the defensive line of Liverpool was playing way high up the pitch and they didn't have the presence of mind for someone to tell them to back up a little bit. I don't think you're going to get a crazy wild game in this one. I actually think it's going to be a little tighter than most people would think, but I do think Villa are going to perform well. Um, you know, as long as everybody comes back and everybody's healthy and, and, and good graces when they come back, I do think the Villa have the ability to win this game. But again, it's a different monster than it was to Liverpool because we all know how Liverpool likes to play. 
And with Lester, they definitely have the ability to roll out a couple different looks. But I do believe in Didi's out, and that's usually one that causes us problems, or at least he did last season when we faced Lester the, the way more times than we thought we were going to face him. So I, I, I just I think it's going to be a tough game for Villa, but I definitely don't think you're going to see anything like the, the goal-scoring bonanza we saw against Liverpool. What do you think, Andy? you think this is maybe a game that's going to get people, you know, people like maybe turn on at Villa or maybe like purchase it to watch and be like, I'm just curious to see how they perform against someone who's not Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it might be mine. It might be a good one to pick for pay-per-view. People might be thinking, oh, let's, let's watch Villa and see if they can do it again. Um, I, I tend to agree with you, Mark. I think this is going to be a, a much tighter game. I don't, I think Rogers will have, Sin obviously what, what what Villa did to Liverpool, and he, he he won't be having that. Um, and I think he will set up set up differently. And um, albeit you know it is it's at, it's at Leicester, isn't it? So you know they'll want to they'll want to get on the front foot and get after Villa. So um, and maybe that's that might be the, the way they 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 should approach it because because Villa will be going into it very very high on confidence. So. Um, I think they 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 have to kind of go and try and try and get ahead, um, you know, and not not the stuffing out of Villa a little bit. But um, you know, let, let let's see. I think uh, I think it, we we will have to approach it differently as well. And but I just think that the, the talent we've got, I can see us getting another win. You know, you know whether it's a a two one or a three two, I think it's going to be tight. But I think we're going to get I think we're going to get the better of them. That that pretty much perfectly segues us in, in into you know the, the usual short but sweet uh, score predictions. So and Andy, pick 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 a score prediction <laughs> and uh, okay, I'll I'll say two one to Villa, two one to Villa. Yeah. Okay, and Mark, I'm saying two one to Villa as well. But I feel like there's a Soyanku red card coming. I don't know why. I just think without Ndidi there to <laughs> kind of like settle players down and really stick a hard tackle and I think he's going to do something really dumb and get sent off. I'm I'm not an advocate for betting but I do know that you enjoy a flutter so maybe stick a a couple of dollars on that one. Yeah, I might I might have to to be honest with you. I don't know why. I just have that feeling with without Indeedy there they're going to have to have a hard man somewhere around there and we sure as hell know it ain't going to be James Madison. <laughs> no. Um, I'm going to go for a two-all. I think we're going to we're going to pick up our first draw of the season, and I think you know that's a that's a more than acceptable result against a side like Leicester. Yeah, I think I think it's super respectable. Yeah, I think a draw a draw would be would be ideal coming away from there in in many ways. And you know what what we don't want is a is a, a defeat or a heavy defeat. You know to kind of really knock the stuffing out of us after. After such a such a wonderful result and performance um, last time, so a, a draw might be quite nice, actually. <laughs> yeah, ironically, what we we don't want to replicate Leicester. You know, they beat yeah. City and then lost to West Ham. So, ironically, we, we we kind of want to avoid a joint killing and then and then a loss to the game after. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, couldn't um, agree more. And I think that's probably the best way to end this week's podcast. As always, thank you ever so much for listening. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on or even just respond to us on social media and let us know whether you enjoyed it, whether you didn't. You know, Feedback is taken on board and we're always looking to improve the podcast. If you do want to follow us on social media or get in touch, you can do so via Twitter at Villa Lamp on Instagram. 
at under a gaslit lamp and on facebook forward slash under a gaslit lamp obviously you can you can search for under a gaslit lamp on any of them you can check out all of our news opinion and everything else about all things aston villa on under a gaslit lamp.com thank you for listening guys and up the villa